Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, First and Pod. We won't be doing every team every week, every game, because there are no games. But it's our first post-Super Bowl edition episode. It's still year one of this thing. So we're going to figure out our off-season rhythm. We've never done an off-season of this thing. But it's the same thing. Danny Parkins, Andrew Filipponi, Spencer Ray producing. Tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, Pony, the dust has settled from the Super Bowl. We are recording this on uh, the Thursday after. So about five days after the game, the parade uh, has happened. All the coaching vacancies has been filled. We'll get to that. But what post-Super Bowl thing do you think we didn't maybe get to enough on Sunday? I have my answer. Okay. We didn't get to enough on Sunday uh, that you'd like to tackle here as we kind of post-mortem the Super Bowl. The thing we couldn't talk about hadn't happened yet, and that, just from my perspective – has been the way that NFL players reacted to the Juju Smith-Schuster-Bradbury Valentine's Day tweet. And it wasn't just Eagles players. Like, the reaction from the national football media and ex-players of, is that really the way you're going to treat a guy at his lowest moment and kick a guy while he's down? I was surprised that so few people wanted to give Juju the benefit of the doubt on that, Danny. And I was even more surprised that no Chiefs players really rallied to defend him in that spot. Like, where were the Chiefs players on Twitter and social media being like, calm down, A.J. Brown, it's a joke. It's like they wanted to stay out of it and basically just let the man fight his battle by himself. And he just got destroyed for it. So. Yeah, he did get destroyed. It was a um, it was a joke. I think that Chiefs players not rushing to his defense makes sense. They're celebrating winning a Super Bowl, and they don't want to amplify what was a corny thing to do. Like, I, I felt like a couple things could be true right there. 
it was corny, but it was funny. But the Eagles players dunked on him, and I completely understand why. Like, A.J. Brown being like, Mahomes saved you. You were out of the league. Uh, Garner Johnson being like, I had more interceptions than you had touchdowns. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they they came at him hard. Uh, I thought A.J. Brown's response was awesome. He was like, hey, man, like, we admitted it was a hold. Let's don't, – don't pour salt, basically. And then he napalmed him. Because I, I thought that Bradbury did us all a big solid. Like, I know you were offended to your core about the penalty, but it would have been a huge topic. And it was already big, but it would have been massive if the Eagles would have bitched and moaned about it. And I thought that the the backside camera angle that they didn't really show on the TV broadcast showed a pretty clear grab of the jersey. Except so, that backside camera angle also showed a Chiefs offensive lineman grabbing an Eagles defensive lineman by the face mask and a blatant hands to the face penalty. Yeah, man, refs get refs get things wrong. Like you know what I mean. Like they they don't they don't make every call. But I so I didn't think we were more on the refereeing, if anything, because they talked about it during the game broadcast. But I didn't think they talked about it a ton post game. Um, the playing surface is something that I think the NFL needs to address. I understand that it can't be uniform if you're going to have grass. Obviously, it could be uniform if everybody agreed to the same type of artificial turf, but players seem to prefer grass to turf if grass is able to be grown. So I'll defer to the players on that. And then horticulturists say, groundskeepers say, that you can't grow grass the same in Green Bay, Wisconsin, as in Arizona, as in Miami, as in New York, as in Tennessee. I'll take their word for it. They got to figure out a way to fix that problem, man. Adam Kilgore's reporting in the Washington Post that basically said that they made choices in the two years that they were growing that field for that Super Bowl to do the one that looked the most aesthetically pleasing and then they painted on top of it, and they basically were playing on ice. Uh, the Eagles players changed cleats, a lot of them, during the game. The Chiefs did not. There was some analysis on dropbacks that Eagles players, there was, there was at least an Eagles player who slipped on 30, a defensive player, on 35% of Mahomes' dropbacks compared to like 18% for Chiefs players on Jalen Hurts' dropbacks. That's an embarrassment. Like, the I don't know what percent it was the reason for the Eagles having zero sacks on Pat Mahomes. I think their offensive line was great. I thought Andy Reid's game plan was great. Mahomes was obviously a gamer, all of that stuff. But there is zero reason why the playing surface should be 1% of a storyline of a Super Bowl. That's just insane. So every year the competition committee looks at things They've got to figure out a way to have some league-mandated baselines for the playing surface at these stadiums. What was wrong with the Arizona Cardinals playing surface in the regular season? I, I, I don't remember or recall watching any of their games and this being an issue. It's not like they didn't play any games that were nationally broadcast or in prime time. They played the Bucks late in the year on Christmas night, and I don't remember any of this stuff happening. So why did they go to such extreme lengths to try to put a unique playing surface together for the Super Bowl? That makes no sense to me. 
No, they tried it, to it fix something that wasn't a either. problem. And but they were bragging about it, man. They were like, "We got the sod father. We got George Toma. We consulted with the PGA yeah. Tour. We all these things." I honestly, if I'm the Eagles, that's a bigger controversy than the the holding penalty. And I know both teams played on it. I understand that. And you prep everything for a Super Bowl, and the Chiefs clearly had the right cleat game plan to slip less. But Olsen was calling it out all game. Yeah. They talked about it in pregame warm-ups that the field was slick. That's just unacceptable. Yeah, and I haven't gotten he... a satisfactory answer from the league on why that happened yet. The Super Bowl is partly played at a neutral site, so it eliminates stuff like that. That's supposed to be the idea. That yeah. The last game of the year is played, and the weather or the elements or something like that is not – an impediment or an advantage for any team or whatever. And clearly in this game, it took away from the quality of game in some way. I mean, it's still 38, 35. I think if it's a, if it's a Super Bowl that looks like Rams Patriots, or it's a sloppy turnover fest or something like that, like bears Colts, you know, if it's a game like that, I think it becomes an even bigger deal. Or if a star ruptures his Achilles. Yeah. Or that, I mean, that's the other way of putting it. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus but I mean, that, that was what I kept. That was what I when when I read that Adam Kilgore piece, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, they were they were playing with fire. Like that that was a that was a. I mean, we had we had Odell Beckham Jr. have a non-contact knee injury in the Super Bowl last year. It didn't change anything, you know. I mean, this is. I'm saying like, but like you know, like the players complain about like MetLife and that. Oh yeah, that patch turf that still like six of the stadiums use. So it just is crazy to me that NFL players know what fields are more dangerous than other fields that should not happen yeah i want to say i i agree with everything just about everything that has been said about the decision by arizona to hire gannon out of that game as their head coach and the way that it relates back to b enemy like it's ridiculous that b enemy only got like the Colts head coaching one of like a million guys who were interviewed for that job. And so many people have rightly pointed out why didn't Doug Peterson or why didn't Matt Nagy suffer or why didn't they get docked in their interviews for having Andy Reid really call the offensive plays and run the offenses there. And they moved the goalpost for B and now it's like he's got to go to another team with the defensive head coach and be the offensive coordinator in order to get a head coaching job. I think it is BS. 
Like, why would you want the guy you coached the defense that got worked over in the Super Bowl over the guy who Andy Reid said he and film study found a deficiency in the Eagles' red zone defense that directly led to us scoring two touchdowns in the game? I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, he's had 15 head coaching interviews, man. So I don't – I mean, there's there's obviously the NFL's – historical and present day embarrassing track record of hiring minority coaches. That's obviously a huge part of this. There's also, he's getting these interviews. No one is saying that he's doing a bad job in the interviews, but people have, like you said, moved the goalpost to, he's got to go be the offensive coordinator for Washington, or he's got to be, go be the head coach uh, in college or something like that. That's insane. I don't think Matt Nagy ruined it for him. Doug Peterson got another shot and looks like he's doing great in Jacksonville. So I don't think it's like the league has turned on Andy Reid disciples. I think it's possible that non-quarterback is part of it. And I think it also gets trickier with the Byron Leftwich situation where like Bruce Arians left and the Bucks offense dropped significantly. And I think that in some ways, a lot of the reporting has been out that like Andy Reid just talks up all of his assistants to try to get jobs. He talked up Mike Kafka for the Cardinals gig. Uh, He claimed that Matt Nagy was the play caller uh, ahead of the Bears interview. And that's like since been debunked by reporting. So I think that there is like everybody knows and Andy Reid is now being heralded as as this like all encompassing genius uh, now that he's won and been paired with Mahomes that. I think people are a little bit more hesitant to give the offensive geniuses number two a gig for this offensive genius because it's not that way for Sean McVay. Every Sean McVay guy is getting hired, but they're all white dudes. LaFleur and Zach Taylor. It's it's a travesty that Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten a job. And I don't I agree that it hasn't been there very well reported because I, I'd almost feel better if someone was like, the guy sucks in interviews. But no one's no one's come out and said that. No one wants to put their name on anything like that. So but I don't. I you're don't telling me, Adam. You're telling me, Adam Gaze interviewed well with the Jets. That's what the I'm saying. Two I, head I, coaching jobs. I, dude, I it's it is a total black mark. No pun intended on the league. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was these the fact that both Eagles coordinators get hired. I know that Gannon. I talked to Wanstead about it on the show today. Dave wants that. And he, he said that he advises all of his coaches or he advised all of his coaches, like when you're hot, take the job. Like there aren't that many people that can pass up a job and absolutely know that they'll get a job next year or the next cycle or the next cycle. Like you've got to cash your chips in when you're hot. And you saw that Gannon called Kyler Murray elite and he can't wait to go find offensive coaches to hire to build around his skill set. I read that as you're just telling the employer what they want to hear. I think that yeah. people passed on that job because they didn't want Kyler Murray attached to it. But he is attached to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the organization also does not have a great track record when it comes to winning. I know it's been better lately with Arians when he was there and – um. You know, Ken Wisenhunt before that, they went to the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, but 
You know, they fired Steve Wilkes after one year. They gave up on a first round quarterback after one year. You know, there's a lot going on. Look at the Kime situation. Yeah. I mean, it's just not really to me a desirable place if you have options. So I get it. Like I kind of get it, but at the same time, you're telling me like the best they could do is a guy who in Philadelphia they were talking about as a liability defensive coordinator. Like there's all, there's all kinds of conversation in the Eagles, like in Philadelphia sports talk about how it's addition by subtraction by losing this guy. Yeah. That, yeah, they got a lot of sacks. Especially. Yeah. I mean, they were eighth in scoring defense. They had a lot of talent. Like there's a sense there that maybe even that defense underachieved that the defensive coordinator was to blame for it. And you watch him this Super Bowl, I guess I can see that more than I could have identified with that a couple of weeks ago for sure. Well, we talked about it though, man. I mean, at least I did in the in the for the Chiefs pick was you know, when when he played golf, scored 35. When they played Dallas, one time he got Cooper Rush, the other time they gave up 40. When they played the Packers and Aaron Rodgers gave up 33 and Rodgers didn't even play the whole game and then didn't really play any other good quarterbacks. That's not hyperbole. Like th- their schedule was, they they, they kind of peaked defensively with that Monday night game against Minnesota when Darius Slay owns Justin Jefferson, and then they beat up on the Giants and the Commanders and the Saints and Brock Purdy with no elbow. And I think they were a good defense that was inflated by a horrid NFC and some schedule luck. So. I, I I also I'm I'm biased towards offensive coaches always. But so like I'll be floored if the Gannon thing works. Yeah, I know. That's how I feel. But the Steichen thing, just conversely, because I thought that Jeff Saturday was gonna get the job, the fact that they didn't hire Jeff Saturday and hired an offensive coach makes me think not that it's a very not that it's a great organization but Chris Ballard is widely regarded as very good at his job even though he's had a bad few years like post Andrew Luck uh in terms of identifying a quarterback that's one that I'm inclined to believe is going to work because they waited they got their guy they didn't go with the incumbent and they hired an offensive coach. So, like, just judging these hires, like, books by their cover, first blush reaction, that feels like it's the right type of hire. It feels to me like they, they you were married to somebody, and you liked all the traits in that person, and you just wanted to get a younger version of that guy in your second marriage. Like, it's just Frank Reich all over again. It's like almost the identical resume to Reich. And so when that hire happened, I'm like, why didn't they just keep Frank Reich? Okay, so that that's interesting. Frank so, Reich, for, you know, people have gotten on him a little bit because of the way this year went. Look at his win-loss record with a different quarterback every year. It's impressive, in my opinion. To do what he did with Phillip Rivers for one year to make the playoffs, they almost beat Buffalo in Buffalo. He had Carson Wentz at nine and eight. Carson Wentz had 28 touchdowns and seven interceptions there. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett for a year, like 
you dumped him and you're like, well, who are we going to get? Oh, another Eagles offensive coordinator who went to the Super Bowl and comes kind of from the same coaching tree. And an arranged marriage with uh, Matt Eberflus. Didn't even get to hire his defensive coordinator or staff. Um, The... What's interesting about that is when the Bears fired Nagy, I said, the crazy thing about this is, I still believe in the process that landed them on Matt Nagy. Like, it didn't work. He was stubborn. He didn't adjust uh, scheme to his personnel. And he clearly was like a one-trick pony who couldn't do it once he got outside of Andy Reid's shadow and adjust. But... I said, I was like, I'd hire Doug Peterson. You know, I, I said, I know they won't. So we basically never talked about it. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, disciple, been a head coach, won a Super Bowl, won with multiple different quarterbacks within that system. Like, I think it still is the right type of hire. And so if you're saying he's just Frank Reich, but younger, I get what you're saying. But like, if like the Broncos went and got Sean Payton because they needed credibility, but if they would have gone from Nathaniel Hackett to the and then hired uh, like Ben Johnson, if he didn't go back to Detroit, like the young offensive coordinator from the Lions, like to me that's the guy you always want to hire because if you hit on him, if you hit on the guy that's the yeah. good play caller and the good game planner who can maximize the quarterback, it's by far the most valuable thing in coaching in the NFL. Well, it's just a shame that Bienemy is in this spot. I'm I'm dying for him to get an opportunity because I want to see if he can do it or not. Like, there's not another assistant coach in the NFL who I have more of a curiosity over in terms of what would he look like as a head coach than Eric Bienemy right now. I'd love to. I, I mean, I'll, I'd love to know what someone would say off the record about it. Like, but not a Kansas City person. You know what I mean? Like. How is that story not out there? How is like of Don Van Nata or somebody like that, how have they not done an investigative piece on how this guy in a, in a league that craves offense, he's been associated with this offense for two Super Bowls and five AFC championship runs in, in some capacity. And he's had all these opportunities that people just keep passing him by over and over and over again. I've never seen anything like it. And it's not like people that have coached under Andy Reid haven't worked. You know, this right. isn't, he doesn't have a reputation like Belichick where nobody can recreate it. Some guys have been, I mean, they haven't all been offensive guys, but I mean, Har- John Harbaugh was John on Harbaugh. Stat. Yep. Uh, Chico Rivera coached under him. McDermott coached under him. Obviously Doug Peterson. There was, there was three years ago, eight of the 32 coaches in the NFL had coached under Andy Reid at one yep. point. Again, not all to success, but it was, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's, but the one thing I would just say like journalistically is it's like, Hey, we already didn't hire him. Now I'm going to smear him anonymously. Like that's a, that's probably a pretty tough story to report. And that would look, that'd be, people would be furious reading a story smearing Eric B. But I think people are demanding answers. So no, I, I understand. I understand that. And and journalism is supposed to be messy sometimes. I'm not saying it's not a worthwhile story. I'm just saying, like, could you imagine Don Van Nata or Dan Wetzel or someone like publishes a story and it quotes four anonymous GMs 
like crushing Eric B enemy, that would just, that would not go over well. So I just, I just don't know who's willing to put a quote out there, but it, it, it would, it would be fascinating.